You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We're trying to play the guys that will help us have the best chance to win. So consistency of performance, understanding the plan and his job and his role in it for any position. You know, it could be for the center, the guard, the receivers, you know, whatever it is. You got to do a good job of making determinations on that. Again, we're trying to make decisions about what we think gives us the best chance to be successful in each phase. And, and that's what we'll do today, this week. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Coach Joshua Daniels right there talking about who gives the team the best opportunity to win games is what they're going to do, who they're going to roll with, who they're going to feel comfortable with as they prepare for the Chargers. He was at the Intermountain Health Performance Center earlier today. We met with him around 11 o'clock, and I'll tell you, he came in with a little bit extra pep in his step, had his notes there with him, so he looked like he was ready to go, uh, ready to prepare for the Chargers, and it was a lot different than the body language of Josh McDaniels when he walked into the media room on Monday. So there's that. Take that for what it is. But this is how we do here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Ari in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. We like to call it Studio Q, and of course it's being brought to you today by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I'll tell you a lot more about them later on in the show. But got a big show lined up for you today. We are officially turning the page. We know what happened on Sunday night. We talked about it on Monday. We talked a lot about it on Monday. Tuesday, we had a lot of different scenarios that we threw out there officially turning the page now to week four because that's what the team has to do. That's what we have to do. So the next three days we'll spend looking at the next opponent up on the schedule for the Silver and Black, and, of course, that's the L.A. Chargers SoFi Stadium. We know that that is basically going to be a Raider home game, uh, similar to what we've seen in the past when when the Raiders go play at SoFi Stadium. So that's exciting. I saw a little nugget from uh, Paul Gutierrez from uh, ESPN. I believe he said that uh, Vivid Seats said that 63% of the seats and tickets sold are to Raider fans that are going to be there at SoFi Stadium. So you could tell what kind of a, a crowd it's going to be on Sunday when they watch the Raiders take on the L.A. Chargers. But uh, excited, like I said, about the show that we have lined up for you this afternoon. Got a lot to get to. Of course, we're going to have some topics that we throw out there, as we always do during the opening drive. Have some really good guests coming up. And uh, most importantly, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. And we got the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. So as far as the guests that are coming up, as I mentioned, we're turning the page to the L.A. Chargers. Matt Money Smith from AM570 LA Sports. He's also the play-by-play voice on the radio for the Chargers. He'll join us at 2.30 just to talk about one, escaping out of Minnesota with that victory that the Chargers did and, you know, the analytics side of things. And, you know, it was something we talked to Adam Hill on the show yesterday uh, at the same time spot, uh, 2.30, and we talked to him, and he said, hey, you know what, for anyone who says that Brandon Staley made the wrong decision, you know, I disagree. It, it wasn't the, the wrong decision, even though I look at it and say, you know what, I'd rather the team have to go the length of the field to go and score. But, uh, you know, I know the analytics are the analytics. I'm not a huge analytic guy, but for people that are, uh, that probably was the right decision for Brandon Staley. But I won't sign up for that just because, like I said, I'm not an analytical guy. But I know that Adam Hill was very adamant yesterday that uh, that, that was the right call from Brandon Staley. So we'll talk to Matt Money Smith about the victory against Minnesota, talk about the injuries uh, including to Mike Williams. He's out for the season with a torn ACL. What does that mean for Quentin Johnson, the first-round pick out of TCU? Does that mean that he has to play a little bit more? Does that mean that he has to play a little bit better? Because he's kind of struggled out of the gate so far as a rookie, which a lot of rookies do. So uh, we'll get all in the weeds when it comes to things L.A. Chargers with Matt Money Smith, AM570 L.A. Sports, uh, coming up at 2.30. Again, he is the play-by-play voice on the radio 
for the L.A. Chargers. Then at 3.30, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She joins us each and every Wednesday. She'll talk all things aces as they're one victory away from punching their ticket to the WNBA Finals after they picked up another victory over the Dallas Wings last night. And uh, it was a blowout, and then it was a close game, and then it was a blowout again. Right, So the uh, the Aces are doing what the Aces do. And so congratulations to them. They're playing uh, some really good ball. It seems like that they're getting back to where they need to be, and it's at the right time. And the good thing about it is they're up 2-0. All they need is one more victory to advance to the finals. And the Connecticut uh, Sun and the, uh, the, the New York Liberty, they're knotted up at one. So they have to play at least two more games. So that could give the Aces a little bit more R&R, a little rest and relaxation if they're able to seal the deal coming up on Friday, uh, you know, punch their ticket to the finals and sit back and watch and see what the Liberty and the Sun do. And hopefully, and I say hopefully as a guy that's rooting for them, I'm hoping that the, uh, the Sun and Liberty go back and forth and really battle it out and go ahead and extend that series as long as they have to do. But they're knotted up at one. The Aces are up 2-0 right now in the Dallas Wings, but they got to go finish it off in Dallas, and it's not going to be easy to close them out game three coming up on Friday. We'll talk about the Aces. We'll also talk about UNLV. They had a big victory on uh, on Saturday over UTEP. They were there in El Paso. It's a beautiful stadium. If you've never been to El Paso, I'll, I'll say right now, for me, there's not a ton that's there in El Paso. I've got some family there. The wife's got some family there, so we've been to El Paso a few times. But I'll tell you, man, that stadium right there, where they play football with the background of the mountains right there, I mean, it's like basically the stadium is in the mountains, is awesome. So uh, UNLV was able to pick up the victory there. Uh, they've already got three wins on the season. Of course, uh, Coach Odom in his first year is trying to get to six and try to become bowl eligible. That would be a big step in the right direction for the UNLV Rebels, who will be hosted on Saturday. They'll be hosting Hawaii for the, the battle for the Golden Pineapple uh, at Allegiant Stadium. So uh, hopefully they're able to pick up that victory. I think they should be able to pick up that victory. But shoulda, woulda, coulda, and they haven't in the past. So we'll see. We'll talk to Paloma coming up at 3.30, all things Aces and all things UNLV. Then at 4 o'clock, Ted Wynn from The Athletic, he joins us, you know, once a week, once every couple weeks, whatever the case may be, do a little film breakdown. So I kind of want to see what he's seeing from the defensive side of things when it comes to the Raiders. When it comes to the film breakdown, what is he seeing from Tyree Wilson? What is he seeing from Ja'Korian Bennett? You know, what is he seeing from, uh, you know, guys like uh, uh, Marcus Epps and, and uh, Trayvon Merrick, you know, and just uh, where the, you know, small slight disconnect could be from here or there, from a small play turned into a big play. You know, what is he seeing from Devontae Adams after that big monster performance that he had on Sunday? How about Jimmy G not really spreading the ball around? You know, where where is the where is the uh, the misfires coming from? So everything, uh, real good film breakdown. I like to talk to Ted, all things film. So uh, Ted Wynn from The Athletic will join us coming up at 4 o'clock to break down the Raiders through three weeks so far and as they prepare for the Chargers. We'll even ask him a little bit about the Chargers, you know, kind of what, what the Raiders can exploit because the Raiders – uh, they they have again. I've said this a thousand times. I feel like that they have an offense that can compete. It just hasn't got clicking yet. The Chargers' defense hasn't been very good, right? I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why uh, you know they they have to get in these shootouts because they can't really stop anybody. So again, another opportunity for the Raiders to get things cooking offensively, but they've got to do it. And I'm really surprised that through three weeks they have not got the offense cooking yet. So again. Ted Wynn will join us at 4. So those are the guests that we have lined up. Matt Money-Smith at 2.30 talking Chargers. Paloma Villacana at 3.30 talking Aces and talking UNLV. And then Ted Wynn from The Athletic coming up at 4 o'clock, breaking down some film when it comes to the silver and black. We'll also hear uh, a little bit from...
representative from head coach Josh McDaniels. As I mentioned, we met with him earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. Uh, of course, the Raiders practiced a little while ago, and now the locker room is going to be open for a while, and Devontae Adams will be speaking at the podium, and maybe Vinny Bonsignor will send us a little bit of locker room sound over as well, whatever he's able to pick up from the Raiders locker room. If so, cool, we'll get it on the show. If not, that's okay as well, but uh, we'll kind of hold out hope that maybe Vinny will send us over a couple minutes with a player or two from what he gets in the Raiders locker room. So got a lot to get to on the show, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Let's get into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. So off top, I know a lot of people and a lot of conversations we've had has been about Jimmy G. Is he going to go on Sunday? Is he not going to go? Coach McDaniels told us earlier today that he is progressing through the concussion protocol. There's nothing that you know, he could do, obviously, you got to be able to clear the concussion protocol. Jimmy's around the facility. He's going through meetings, but he wasn't out on the practice field because he can't be. So Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer were both out there taking reps at practice today. So that's really all we know at this stage of the game. We don't know who's going to be the guy to go if Jimmy G can't go. But it sounds like, and, and again, just going off of body language and from the tone that uh, Josh McDaniels had today when he was speaking with us, sounds like, Jimmy is trending in the right direction. And I know I tweeted that out, and some people are like, is him playing really the right direction? I don't think so. Ha, ha, ha. Look, whatever you say, whatever you say is fine. I believe it's in the right direction, so that's why on my Twitter account, I tweeted he's trending in the right direction. You can choose to take that for whatever you want, but I think if you want this team to win games, the best decision is to have Jimmy G out there. Now, at some stage of the game, maybe it's say, see what the rookie's got, right? I think everyone knows what Brian Hoyer is. So, off top, just let you know there's no real update on Jimmy G except for the fact he's progressing through the concussion protocol per head coach Josh McDaniel. But that's not what I want to talk about on the show. Of course, you could chime in about that. You could always talk about any subject. That's all good. 702-365-9200 and the WBroke.com text line is 69187, keyword R&R. But for me, I wanted to bring to the table for the opening drive something that stood out to me, what Lincoln Kennedy had to say on yesterday's show. He joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday at 2.30s. On Tuesdays, we recap the game that just happened. On Thursdays, we start to preview the game that's coming up. And I like to go back and listen to interviews, especially with people like Lincoln, a couple times. It's something that I may have missed or something that we didn't spend a whole lot of time on because, look, I only got a limited amount of time with Lincoln, so sometimes I keep it pushing. But I think, man, that was something right there. So this stood out to me from what Lincoln had to say, and this really is going to go with the opening drive. So listen to what Lincoln has to say about the run game not being physical enough, and what is it going to take to get things cooking? Well, Q, it comes all about desire and attitude. I mean, you, you, if you want it, you can go out there and do it. I mean, there's, you know, the thing is that we, you know this as being an athlete, when you grow up and people challenge you, say you can't, you're out to try to prove them wrong, right? Yep. Well, I don't think we have that case here with collectively with the offensive line. But unlike the defense, and you were talking about Nate Hobbs' fire and stuff like that, I'm trying to figure out who it is on the offense. I mean, yeah. who, who's, that, who's that guy? Who's that guy who's going to get in your face and say, yo, let's pick this up? I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out because, you know, what I've seen so far out of these three games is just one, you know, when it comes to the run game, it's a lack of communication. And unlike last year where we only interchanged technically one piece, unlike last year when the Raiders did a good job at owning and controlling the line of scrimmage, and that's why Josh Jacobs was so effective running the football, that hasn't been the case so far. And to me, it's always been about desire and attitude. If you want to do something and you're going to do something, you've got the physical means. You wouldn't be there if you couldn't. 
so it's not like you can. It's all up to you. And that's what somebody needs to bring out. Somebody needs to draw out. The way I kind of did it back in the day is I was like, look, follow me. When we call 14 blasts, you better be knowing that we're going to running over my ass. We're going to get that first down. Right. We're going to get that touchdown. You see what I'm saying? And you show them proven. That's how people believe in you. And they've got leaders on this team. It's just I'm wondering to figure out who's that one, that voice that, 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 that can do that on offense. So that was great from Lincoln Kennedy right there, and I love how he said, you call that 14 blast, you run over my ass, we're getting in. We're getting the first down, we're getting the touchdown, whatever the case may be, please believe we're getting it. I love that. That gets me juiced up. Like, if I'm not sitting down right now in Studio Q, I jump up and, you know, like run through the wall because that, that kind of that energy gets me fired up and excited. So what it made me do is think, and this led to the topic here for the opening drive, who is that vocal in-your-face leader on offense for the Raiders. Now, I know they have guys that lead by example, and that's cute, right? I like guys that lead by example. That's cool. No, because everyone's not built the same, right? Everyone's not the loud dude. And the perfect example I got for that is when Denzel Perriman played for the Raiders just a couple seasons ago. Like, he was that vocal dude on the defense, right? He was that guy that would get guys lined up. Did he have, you know, a, a few areas that, you know, he could work on? Sure. But he was always that guy that you were going to hear him. You were going to know where Denzel was at all times. You would always just kind of – he's one of those guys, his personality was infectious, right? And that's the kind of cat that, like, I am, right? I'm that guy that you're always going to know where I'm at because you're always going to hear me, right? No matter what, whether you want to hear me or not, you're going to. And believe me, there's a lot of people in the hallways of the radio station that don't never want to hear me, but they do. <laughs> they do because I'm that vocal cat. I'm not the be quiet, sit in the corner, lead by example, put my head down and just work. I'm that dude who wants to be loud. And I'm that dude who, if we need to get fired up, then we need to get fired up. If I don't think that you're doing something that you should, I'll be like, hey, man, let's go. Let's get this together. We don't quit on Friday, right? We finish on Friday. Whatever the case may be, we go hard in the paint. Let's go. Let's take some pride in what you're doing. That's me. So, and this is radio, not football. Football is a different animal. So my question to you, who is that vocal in-your-face leader on this Raiders offense? As Lincoln Kennedy just said, the great Lincoln Kennedy, he watched this team for three weeks, and he doesn't know who it is yet. So I ask you, Raider Nation, who is it? And if you can't identify it, who do you think it should be? 702-365-9200, the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r and I didn't stop right there. I want to hear from you. I want to get your thoughts. But I also want to know what head coach Josh McDaniels thinks. So I asked him that exact same question. You've got leaders. You've got the lead-by-example type cats. But who is that vocal in-your-face leader on offense for the Raiders? We have a, a bunch of guys that honestly uh, speak, um, you know, and I think, you know, there's a lot of different forms of leadership. Um, I mean, J.J.'s a very passionate, um, can be very vocal leader. I think Devontae does a really good job of, um, you know, addressing things that he, he feels need to be addressed. And it's not always negative. You know, I think a lot of people attach leadership to adversity, and that's that's definitely one part of it. But I think there's also another uh, element to it where, you know, you you, you know you got to emphasize both sides, you know. And when it's going good and it's positive, it's great leadership, you know. And, and when you need something else, then you got to be able to know that. So, um, I think those guys do a good job. I think Jimmy does a good job. I think Colton, you know, does a good job. I think all our captains have really stepped up in different ways. Uh, again, there's not two leaders that are the same. I mean, I've never been around two guys that are identical in that regard. So some guys uh, will do it uh, personally. Some guys will do it in front of the group. Some guys will do it in the moment at practice. Some guys, you know, do it in the meeting room, you know. But um, leadership takes on all forms. So there's head coach Joshua Daniels responding to the question I asked about the vocal 
in-your-face type leader. And, again, I understand exactly what he said, that leadership takes many forms. I understand that, and I respect that. I do. And, and guys that lead by example and are, are kind of quiet, that's fine too, right? Those are great leaders. Don't get me wrong. Guys that don't get emotional are probably the best leaders, right, because they don't let the situation get too much. I'm not that guy, <laughs> right? I, I will get emotional about things, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. I can accept my flaws. That's cool. But that's just, that's just who I am. And I think, and this is just me, you know, scatter shooting with spitballing here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. I think that the Raiders need a vocal leader. I think that they need someone that can get the emotions going, right? And I think that they have it on defense. I think Nate Hobbs is definitely that guy. I think that Max Crosby brings it. Marcus Peters, to a certain extent, does as well, right? Guys like that, they have that kind of that wherewithal about themselves where, you know, they're going to they're gonna be heard, they're going to be felt. Maybe not quite on the level of Denzel Perryman, but you understand what I'm saying. Who could that guy be offensively? I look at Josh Jacobs. I'll answer the question first. I look at Josh Jacobs and feel like that that's, that is the one. I mean, really. I look at Devontae, and I know he speaks in the locker room, and I know he'll, he'll share his thoughts on the, in the locker room, and I know – He'll talk on the sideline, so I think that he he also has it, but I don't think that he's the guy that's going to go and get in the offensive line's face and be like, hey, get that push. Hey, Van Roten, get your butt down. Hey, get a little bit more. Like, we got to open up a hole for J.J. I feel like Josh would be that guy that would do it, though. I feel like he's got that – he's earned it, first of all, and he's got that in him naturally because you can't force it. That's the other thing. You can't force it. Right, it's it's like I can't tell Ari, hey Ari, go rock a rock a three hour show real quick and just do what you do. I mean, he just can't force who you're not, right? So that's the thing. It's got to be natural. If it's not natural, then it's then no one's gonna listen to it because be like, oh, that dude's just trying just because he thinks he has to. So, you know, I I want to know if you see a guy, if you can identify a guy on the Raiders' offense again, focusing on the offense. They're they're the unit that scored less than twenty points a game so far. Who do you see? Who do you identify? As that guy. And if you don't, if there's not a guy that you can't identify, who do you think it should be? 69187, keyword RNR, 702 365 9200. We got one text from the 707, I think it's pretty interesting. So, Q, if it's only a matter of want to, then how can we point the player or two out that doesn't want to, and why are they on this team? That's an interesting question. My response to that would be that one, they might not know that their want to is not high enough, right? They might. There's some people that do just enough and think that that's just enough. Right? I mean, I mean that, and that's in life. Like, I think we can really simplify this stuff so we can all understand. I think that a lot of people see themselves doing the just enough and feel like that they're really working themselves to the max, where there's other guys that are going to go over and beyond the call of duty and, and see something and, and say, hey, we need to get there. And, and, and you know, kind of to go back to the question I asked when why I mentioned Josh Jacobs, I remember when the run game was struggling last year. And I remember Josh Jacobs going to the podium and seeing, you guys see, there ain't no holes. Where do you want me to do? Where do you want me to run? Like he said that. And we were like, yeah, that's, that's true. There's no, real, there's no holes. But what he said, what he consistently said is, hey, guys, I got your back. We're going to get right together. And so he was in their ear. Hey, guys, we're going to figure this out together. I got you. We're going we're gonna to get right. And then eventually, what, week four, week five, he finally was able to start really rolling because the run game wasn't cooking early in the season. Hell, nobody even knew what the identity of the team was. I feel pretty comfortable in saying the identity of the team should be the run game, and, and everything is built off that. That's just me. That's, that's how I interpret it for this, this team, this, this 2023 version of the silver and black. So uh, I think that 
it's not something I can look at and say, oh, well, that player doesn't want it. I mean, the only way you could identify a player who doesn't want it is if that player says, I'm not that guy who wants it like that, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, now you, we can have our, 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 our feelings, but I'm not in the locker room. I'm not out there at practice. I'm not in the study room. Like, that's the other thing. It's more than just, just trying to go out there and, and dominate the guy in front of you. It's also knowing your assignment. Like Max Crosby said in the locker room, finishing plays, locking in, buying in. Right? I'm not, I'm not around the team 24-7. I'm not in their hip pocket, so I can't tell you who's bought in, who's going home and studying, who's taking care of their body, who's getting enough rest, who's getting ready for this game right now. You know what I mean? I don't know that. And, and Max said it after the game. Recovery starts right now. And he was still in the locker room getting dressed from, <laughs> from the game that he just played, but he said recovery starts right now. You've got to take care of your body. We need guys that finish plays. We need guys to lock in, and we need guys to buy in. So hopefully that answers the question. It might not, but hopefully it does. I do appreciate the text for sure. Mailman Raider said, Q on offense, I don't think we have one of those guys. And I'd like it to be Colton. He's the leader of the offensive line, but I feel like we never hear him. The game is one of the trenches, and if our left tackle was that dude talking that talk and backing it up, then I feel like that he puts us in a great spot, especially with some of the DNs in this league that really be talking that talk. And that's the thing about Colton Miller, right? I mean, he, he's just – he is a leader, no doubt, Right? He's that guy on that offensive line, but he's not that vocal leader. And the example I use, and this is going to be a Hall of Famer, so it's hard to put him in the same category, but like Trent Williams for San Francisco. I don't agree with the fact that he punched somebody <laughs> the other night, right? Was it Monday Night Football when he, he – uh, or Thursday Night Football uh, when he, he punched someone right there at the, uh, the end of the half. But, I mean, he's that guy that's in everyone's face. He's that guy that, you know, he'll go after the defensive ends. He'll go after players on the other team. I mean, he'll have that, what Lincoln described yesterday as that Steve Wisniewski type guy, that guy that goes whistle to whistle, right, beyond the whistle sometimes. You know, that, that Richie Incognito. There's a reason why Gruden kept bringing Richie Incognito back, because he had a little nasty to him. It probably helped guys like, you know, like, like Colton Miller play better, right, step his game up, help him develop. You got to have those kind of guys too, especially on the offensive line, man. You got to have that that dude, that guy who's just gonna, you know, like I said, play play through the whistle and be tough. From the seven oh seven, I think Harmon was also that guy on D. Ingold on O. Unfortunately, both are gone. There's no one, in my opinion, that leads with an in-your-face style. Unfortunately, on offense, I think the only logical one would be Jacobs, but he's struggling too. I just don't see an answer to that, and that could be the problem, right? That could be the problem. That there's not an answer to that. And I think, again, maybe the Raiders don't. Maybe they're the one team that don't need that emotional dude. But I'll tell you, Denzel Perriman used to have me fired up. I don't know about you, Raider Nation, but he used to have me fired up just by the energy that he brought. You know, the swagger, the style, right? I mean, whatever. And I'm not talking about the style because he wore a beanie cap in the summer. I'm talking about just the style where he was he was out there, he was having fun, but he was also being a director, like a quarterback out there. Hey, hey, you going to do this. Hey, hey, let's go. Hey, hey, it's coming your way. Hey, hey, lock in. Hey, get this. Hey, get this. Like that, that kind of stuff is infectious, man. And when you hear that, you kind of want to get up a little bit. It kind of amps you up a little bit. I, I, want, I want to see who that guy could be offensively for the Raiders because I honestly think that that's what they need. I think they need someone to jumpstart them. You know, get, get those uh, jumper cables out the trunk. Put it on the, on, on the red and the black and whap. You know, just give them a little bolt. Boom. Just jumpstart them. I just feel like that they need that just that. That quick jolt, I just don't think they've got it yet. And I don't know who that guy is, and that's why I asked the question. If I knew, man, I'd come out there and tell you, hey, this is the guy right here. But I don't. And that's what Lincoln Kennedy was talking about. That's why it stood out to me when I was listening to what he said, especially when I went back and listened to it again. He's like, Q, through three games, I haven't seen it. 
Let's see. We got some more. Let's see. 805 Raiders said, first, anybody who thinks we win this game with Jimmy without Jimmy G is nuts, and it's got to be Jacobs to get the offensive line going by busting through some of those holes and running over DBs. That's 805 Raider. And that's, that's the one thing. I, thanks for the text, by the way. That's the one thing about Josh, and he said it before. He's like, hey, there's times I could run around a defensive back. I could run around a linebacker and pick up the yardage. But if I run through them, I'll get my team, my sideline fired up. That's, that's a, a great point that you bring up. But the problem is, is he hasn't got going yet through three games. He hasn't busted through the hole and had a chance to run anybody over. That would be exciting as well. You know, but, but if you don't have that moment of breaking through and running somebody over and you know, uh, um, uh, hit-sticking them if we're playing Madden, then, then what do you got? Right? What do you have? And, again, I just feel like the Raiders probably need that. Um, let's see. Let's see. This is from oh, – I can't read that one. 209 says, I'm with you, Q. Josh should and probably is that guy. But do you think him still trying to get back into football shape is holding him back from starting again? Maybe his mind is focused elsewhere for now. Also, I think the game against the Chargers, he finally breaks out. Josh understands the rivalry with the Chargers. That's from the 209. I, yes and yes, <laughs> right? I mean, if I'm answering, I'm, I hope so. I hope so. I'm, I've been waiting for Josh to break out, right? I, I really have, and I don't think it's all on him. I'll never put it all on him and say, oh, he's the problem. I just think that it's a, it's a collective issue between, you know, getting on the same page with the offensive line, especially Van Roten being the new guy on the offensive line. Everybody else came back. Uh, you know, Dylan Parham probably isn't playing as strong and as tough as he should. You know, and Illuminor is, is playing at the right tackle spot. You know, is, he, is that the best spot for him? Right? I still, I still question that at times. I know he's a veteran, but as Lincoln pointed out yesterday on the show, they left him on an island with T.J. Watt, one of the best sack artists in the business knowing that that's not the strength of, of Jermaine Illuminor. So it's almost like they set him up for fa failure on that one. And I know they didn't purposely set him up for failure, but they know what Illuminor does well and what he doesn't do well. And the way that he likes to block is what T.J. Watt's good at taking advantage of. So that's something that, as Lincoln said, they should have had extra help lined up for him, especially with a quarterback that they know is injury-prone and you got to protect him at all costs and keep him upright. They had Jimmy G skittish. On uh, on Sunday because well he got sacked four times and he had pressure throughout the course of the course of the uh, the, the game so just want to throw it out there just you know again just trying to turn to turn the page turn the turn to you know turn the tides over to the Chargers and see how the Raiders could get cooking offensively this upcoming week in week four the Chargers have a bye after this week the Raiders don't have a bye for a very long time. So it'd be nice to see the Raiders send the Chargers into their bye week one and three and the Raiders square things up two and two. So the question I throw out there, and then we got Matt Money Smith from AM570 LA Sports joining us in the next segment. Who is that vocal in-your-face leader on the offensive side of things for the silver and black? And if you can't identify him, who do you think he should be? 69187, keyword R&R. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. 
Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Through the question out there, who is that vocal in-your-face leader on the offensive side of things for the Silver and Black? We'd love to hear from you at 69187, keyword R&R, and we don't have a guest. And, of course, at 702-365-9200, we do have Matt Money-Smith, AM570 LA Sports, coming up in a matter of seconds. My man Ari, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, is efforting him right now. So let's go ahead and go out to the phone lines, talk to one of our favorites. Hardcore Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q, hopefully you're doing good, man. Hey, you ain't wrong, dude. You hit the nail on the head as far as this topic goes, you know. And I, I've been feeling the same way. Just My question would be, to your question, is why? Why isn't Jacobs being the same leader that he's been for this organization for a long time? And to me, my mind causes me to speculate. Um, if you go back to the Sunday night game when uh, Josh Jacobs was interviewed and you know asked about contract and different things like that, you could definitely see some fire and frustration in his eyes. And so for me, I feel like this organization kind of missed on it, and I was frustrated all offseason, as I'm sure you know, um, that they didn't get him a contract. And I know the narrative with all the running backs and some other guys getting hurt even this year. But my, my main thing that I would just like to say is that if you have a guy of that caliber that's essentially the leader and a vocal leader of your offense, and he, if he feels disrespected, well then, yeah, there might be an issue where he might not want to give 110, 120%. He's still going to give you 80, 90%. Uh, percent, but when the, organi- or, and when the organization failed, in my opinion, to give him a contract, they possibly killed the morale of Josh Jacobs and him wanting to go the extra mile. And to me, that's a miss on the Raiders and extremely frustrating. And, you know, it just goes to show how valuable Josh Jacobs is and this organization should treat him as such. Hey, great call. Hardcore Raider, great call. I, I like what you're saying right there. Matter of fact, Ari, I don't know if we're able to do this, but if there's ever, if there's a way to capture what he had to say about Josh Jacobs not giving 100% because maybe a little bit of frustration, do it. Because I'd like to revisit that in a few minutes. I think that that's a great, a great point, and I think a lot of people – probably feel the same way that Hardcore does, and that's why I want to revisit it. I think that's a really good statement. I do have a really good response to it, but uh, we do have a guest right now that I want to get to. But Hardcore, great call. Uh, and I understood your frustration over the offseason. I understood your frustration during the preseason. And, well, obviously, as the Raiders are sitting there one and two, there's a lot of folks that have frustration and share your frustration. Again, thanks for the call, man. Fantastic stuff. But join us now on the phone lines as we need to turn the page and start looking to the next opponent up for the silver and black, which is the Chargers. We have our guy, Matt Money Smith, AM570 LA Sports. He's also the play-by-play voice for the Chargers on the radio. And, Matt, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And before we move forward, let me go back real quick to Minnesota. And the Chargers squeaked out that victory. It looked like that they weren't, but then they did. I mean, was that just one big, huge sigh of relief that they got the dub against Minnesota? Oh, no doubt. You know, I think the difference between one and two and, and zero and three is just monumental. Uh, if you're using history as a precedent, you know, zero and three teams made the playoffs four out of, I think it was 158 times is what we had since 1990. So, you know, it's a little different this year and the last year, you know, with the extra wild card team and with the 17th game. Uh, and all that now available these last two plus seasons. But at the same time, zero and three would have been a mess. You know, their buys early. You don't want to go into the buy at one and three at best, potentially zero and four. Now I got a shot to go into two and two, uh, feel good about winning two games in a row, going into the buy and, and getting ready to start a tough stretch against the Cowboys on Monday night, followed by a trip to Kansas city. So yeah, that was a 
you know, that was probably a season saving win. I, I think it's, it, you know, I don't want to overstate it, but it certainly felt like it. You know, I know analytics is a huge part of the game. I mean, everyone's using it to, uh, you know, some to a certain extent, some to a little bit further extent. Uh, is it still one of those that is questioned a lot whenever Brandon Staley goes to the analytics and makes his decisions, including the one he made against Minnesota on, on uh, last Sunday? Well, yeah, I mean, he got crushed, you know, on all the on all the programs. Now he gets it, and everybody, I think, will say what I said in the moment, calling the game. I said, I like it. Go win the game. Yeah. Get the two feet. It wasn't even a yard. It was, you know, two-thirds of a yard. It was inside. It was outside the 24, and they had to get to the 25. So I said, I trust Justin Herbert to get two feet more than I trusted what I saw from that defense all day with a lot of green in front of him. You know, I mean, Justin Jefferson had 53-yard touchdown. Uh, KJ Osborne had a 36 yard touchdown. Like th- when they had space, the Vikings were lethal. They had 475 yards of offense. Yeah. So I totally understood it. You know, I wish Justin would have, would have ran the sneak. He's twice. And that's the other thing, you know, is he and Kellen Moore have, you know, the information that Justin is 25 of 27 on third or fourth and one yard or less. Like that's 93%. Go get the two feet. Uh, right. Why Justin decided to hand it to Josh Kelly in the fullback position, I don't know. Um, but I think if Justin sneaks that, they get the first down. Brandon Staley goes back to being the guy with a pair of big ones. <laughs> and, you know, he's celebrated. It's like, oh, this is the Brandon Staley we saw back in 2021. This is the guy we like. This is the guy that's using it. Because, you know, I think the computer model said 83% of the time you're going for it. So, I think that's what the narrative would have been because he didn't get it. He came under incredible pressure for not, for going forward in that situation. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Fans are always going to crush him. Media is going to crush him. It's just that scenario. But, you know, when you roll out the numbers and you think about it like that, uh, it makes a lot of sense to go for it. It's just the optics is one of those that people are going to always question when it comes oh, yeah. to the analytics side of things. Matt Money Smith is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Mike Williams, he's down with a torn ACL. How bad is that? Not just for the team, but just for, for Mike. I mean, he's He's been injured quite a bit in his career, and I know he's a hell of a dude and a hell of a player. Yeah, it sucks. You know, it does. And, and he's a big part of that offense. You know, Keenan had the career day, but so much of that was predicated on Brian Flores committing that safety to Mike anytime he found himself in the slot. I think he certainly underestimated how good Keenan is outside. Um, but at the same time, he did not want any part of Mike Williams in the slot. And that's kind of what allowed that that day to happen. So, you're not going to have anybody doubling Josh Palmer. You're certainly not going to have anybody doubling Quentin Johnston. So that's that's going to cause, you know, a lot more headaches for Keenan and for Justin because of the implicit trust he has with Keenan Allen. So he's going to be the guy that's doubled. Teams are certainly, especially as long as Austin Eckler is out, going to force, you know, Herbert to, to beat, you know, that Chargers offense to beat them with Joshua Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, Josh Palmer, and Quentin Johnson, or Gerald, you know, Quentin Johnson and Gerald Everett. Like, Keenan Allen is not going to beat teams moving forward. He's going to get their full attention. So, Herbert's really good about, you know, taking whatever a defense is going to give him. Miami gave him the run. He made Joshua Kelly and Austin Eckler superstars that day. You know, the, the Vikings gave him the pass, and obviously he had his first ever 400-yard day, and, and Keenan had an 18-catch, 200-yard performance. So, I think he'll adjust, but it is going to make life a little bit tougher. No, I mean, absolutely no doubt about it because Quentin Johnson has not shown that, that he's ready to be a full-time player right now. It looks like, you know, that was the plan is, is kind of developing him and hoping that he was kind of ready to, 
to really take that step maybe late this year or more like next year when maybe they move on from a couple of those big wide receiver contracts. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Quentin Johnson. I covered him when he was in high school at Temple Temple High in Texas. And, you know, I knew he was a big-time playmaker, but, of course, he, he was raw and had a lot, of, uh, a lot of developing to do. What would you say is his biggest struggle right now early through, you know, just a handful of games so far in his NFL career? No, I think his hands. I think it's exactly what it was coming out of the draft. He doesn't yeah. trust his hands. So, you know, if he doesn't trust his hands, Justin Herbert isn't going to trust throwing to him because he doesn't trust his hands. Right. So you're not going to get a lot of targets. Um, and we saw that in, in week one. You know, he had a bunch of drops against Miami, some bad ones. So that's, you know, that's that's an issue he's still working through. And, yeah. you know, the Chargers certainly believe he can do it. And if he can, he's going to be a heck of a player. I mean, he's fast. He's long. He's athletic. He's really good shedding contact, first contact, and getting some yak, and it's just not there yet. You know, he catches and he starts stutter step, and it's not the Quentin Johnson that we saw, you know, against Michigan in that TC, you know, in that TCU uh, Michigan semi. So, you know, I, I think maybe this is something that can spur that a little bit more, where he knows, all right, well, now I'm gonna be playing every week, and I just got to get back to, you know, doing what Quentin Johnson has done. In those three years at TCU, and that's, you know, be a yak monster, get some of those quick slants and, and get, you know, 10, 15 yards after the catch and maybe take one all the way to the house like he did, you know, against Michigan in that semi. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, to be honest, that I mean, the hands were a question when he was in high school. I mean, he'd, 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 he'd wow everybody for three quarters, and then there'd be one play where he'd put it on the ground. He's like, oh, that was a touchdown you just yeah. missed. You know, it's just it's the reality of it. But he's a hell of a dude, good guy. Uh, I would definitely root for him. I hope he's going to, you know, be successful. But uh, you got to get those hands right. If you're going to be a wide receiver in the National Football League, Matt Money Smith is our guest here, Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Chargers. Raiders uh, play the Chargers in SoFi Stadium this upcoming Sunday. How has it been the transition to Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, as a guy that is supposed to be able to open up this offense? You mentioned uh, Justin Herbert having his first 400-yard game. It's been incredible. He's he's been everything as advertised. You know, I think you you look at what he did against my and Big Fangio was playing that too high shell and you know had a light box down and down and you got over two hundred yards rushing for for Eckler and and Joshua Kelly. You know, he goes up uh, against again. You know, in in Minnesota, Brian Flores, who's running five, six, seven guys on every single snap, blitzing the heck out of. Herbert and he's got the counter to it you know and the one great thing about killing too is he's always setting you up for something it's not mm -hmm. it's not just I'm going to pick this play here and, and call this play there and oh it's third and seven let me go to my third and seven chart and let's call this one it's it's all building to something you know that that Keenan Allen double pass to Mike Williams for the touchdown was was not just a hey let's try it here you know he had thrown three tunnel screens to Keenan in like the last 10 plays. And so he was setting the Vikings up for that through, you know, so Herbert throws that, that backwards pass. I think it's another tunnel screen. And instead the safety comes up to, to help tackle with blockers on the chargers coming downfield. And there's Mike Williams wide open. There just seems to be one of those plays every single game. It's been, it's been great. And I just expect it to continue to get better as the season goes on. And, and he and Herbert begin to start seeing things very similarly. Well, it sounds like the offense is doing really well. Of course, there's a few hiccups here and there. Mike Williams obviously being out is a big deal. Austin Eckler being banged up is a big deal. But on the defensive side of things, as you mentioned, man, the Vikings were getting whatever they wanted to as long as they had some space. What has been the biggest problem that you see with the Chargers defense so far? Explosive plays. I mean, it's the exact same thing that, that did them in last year is they just they give up way too many explosives. Like, it does not matter if they've got a team at first and twenty. Second and 16, third and 12, like 
their teams are just put, you know, the, the KJ Osborne play, touchdown was on a fourth and six, mm. you know, you had a first and 20 that was converted for first down. You had a third and 18 that was converted for the first down last week. Like they give up too many big play, the 70 yard bomb, the trailing Burks. that was the difference in the Tennessee game, the 49 yard completion to Chris Moore. Like there's just too many of those. Right. And they got to figure out how to stop them and whatever they say, Oh, it's misplayed leverage. It's not knowing where your help is. It, Figure it out, you know, figure it out because that is losing them football game. They should have beat Tennessee. They were much, much better than Tennessee. And they held Derrick Henry to under 80 yards on under four yards per carry. But there were basically two explosive plays. Each led to a touchdown. And that's how you lose a game, you know, and that's unfortunately how they lost games last year. It's how they lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs after being up 27 and nothing. Um and it'll it'll be their demise this year if they cannot figure it out. Uh, you know, and Devontae is their third top-tier wide receiver in four weeks. Jefferson last week got 148. Tyreek Hill had over 200 in week one. And now you got, you know, one of the best in the league in Devontae Adams this week. They're going to have to figure out how to limit explosive plays. How surprised are you that that's the problem when they have guys on the defensive side of the ball? I mean, they've got names. they got dudes that can get it done. How surprised are you that that is their Achilles heel right now? Yeah, I think I think a big part of it is just that J.C. Jackson is not what they thought he was going to be yeah. and what they thought he was going to mean to this defense. You know, being a, the idea was J.C. is the best man press corner in the league. You're going to put him on the other team's opposing, you know, number one, and he's going to erase them. And now – you can play to some degree quarter six or cover six, you know, or you're playing quarters on one half man to man on the other with JC and Brandon Staley's like, I'm in heaven. This is the defense I want to run. And you just can't do it. Um, and I think Mike Dayton, you know, as good as Mike Davis has been, Asante has kind of struggled a little bit. He just doesn't quite have that player in the secondary that's affording him the freedom to really kind of run his coverage. And he's still trying to run it. And it's just going horribly wrong on the back end. Um, so, you know, I think that the other part of that is they've got to establish more of a pass rush, and that's now emerged. You know, Tuli Tupelopu, Tupelopu, the rookie's second-round pick, has been incredible. He's actually been the number one, you know, edge in, in the NFL, um, even though he's drafted in the second round. You know, I mean, you know, Tyree and what's going on with him, and I don't yeah. know what's going on there in Vegas, but, like, he's been better than Will Anderson. He's been better than Wills. He's been better than all those guys. He yeah. was a game-wrecker in Tennessee. He was a game-wrecker. In, in Minnesota, and I expect him to do the same thing against the Raiders and really all season long. So I think his emergence is going to help, you know, as opposed to being a rotation player. He's now a featured player these last two weeks. And, and he's been, look, he's been better than Joey and Khalil. I mean, just to put it bluntly, he's been the more impactful player out there. So um, so I think that's that should help a lot. I think Kenneth Murray has figured some stuff out here these last two weeks as well, and he's become a, a, an impact player on that second level of the defense. So, you know, I think if those things continue to trend in the direction that we've seen these last two weeks, then maybe this defense can start to get some things uh, fixed. Now I say that not knowing, you know, what the status of Derwin James and his hamstring is, because if he's out, that's a huge issue because, you know, JT Woods was the crest into action and he's the guy that lost Justin Jefferson on that 53 yard touchdown, just got completely lost as the last line of defense. And, you know, there you go. 53 yards to, 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 to pay dirt. So, you know, there's, there's still a lot of issues. I think they're potentially fixable. 
but it's it's not going to be easy. I'll tell you what. I feel like the Chargers have like a beeline to Central Texas or something. I mean, they got Quentin Johnston. He's out of TCU, but Temple, Texas. Uh, Tomlinson is out of Waco, Texas, out of Midway High School. Uh, JT Woods is out of Baylor. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of – oh, Kenneth Murray's out of Oklahoma. That's Big 12. It's, I think there's a lot of uh, a love for Central Texas there in the Chargers organization, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, Darius Davis too. Yep. You know that they just drafted. Who's their uh, Who's their returner? Yeah, it's funny. You know, like there's that, and there's also a bit of a Notre Dame connection. Seem like they always, you know, it's it's certainly lessened um, recently. Like right now, all they have is a Louis Gilman. But there was a while there where they had four or five guys from Notre Dame. I think that's just something you see. You know, the Patriots with um, with Rutgers players, the Raiders with Clemson players. For whatever right. reason, yeah, there's there's certain franchises that like to you know eat out of that same dish repeatedly. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Central Texas appreciates the Chargers, no doubt. That's a lot of their youngsters are playing there now with the L.A. Chargers. Well, Matt, thanks so much for your time, giving us a little bit of preview of what to expect this upcoming Sunday. I know you'll do a great job on the call. We definitely appreciate you this afternoon. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Have a great one. You too. Matt Money Smith right there, AM 570 L.A. Sports. Great stuff right there. Great dude. Does a hell of a job on the play-by-play for the L.A. Chargers and uh, really breaking it down and giving us our first taste test of what to expect this upcoming weekend when the Raiders travel to SoFi to take on the L.A. Chargers. 2.48 is the time. The question I threw out there, who is that vocal in-your-face leader on offense for the Raiders? We'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200 plus at don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword r We'll get to those texts. We'll get to your call. Plus, we'll also hear from Hardcore Raider. Uh, we'll go back to what he had to say before we heard from Matt Money-Smith. All that on the way here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Again, many thanks to Matt Money-Smith, AM570 LA Sports, gave us some time talking all things Chargers in preparation for Sunday's matchup, Raiders-Chargers Week 4 action. Both teams come in at 1-2. and two. Both teams want to leave at 2-2 two and two with the victory. Only one team can, so hopefully – it's on the right side, and it's on the silver and black side. We will see as it all shakes out. Through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line and also the phone line, 69187, keyword r and of course, 702-365-9200. Who is that vocal, in-your-face leader on the offensive side of things when it comes to the silver and black? And if you don't know who it is or you can't identify that person, who do you think it should be? Throwing that question out there. From the 209, in my opinion – that leader to push his team to play for another should be McDaniels. If this team fully believe in him and his plans and, and his dream, they will follow suit. Unfortunately, in my opinion, I don't think he's that guy. Over in Boston, that guy was Belichick, not McDaniels. We need a leader of men to lead. And I agree that the coach has to be that leader of men. There's no doubt. But I do also believe that there's got to be a leader on the field. I believe that there's got to be a Lincoln Kennedy, right? A Steve Wisniewski. There's got to be a Denzel Perryman there's got to be a guy that says hey let's go I remember when I was in Central Texas covering the Cowboys and Des Bryant would lose his blanket mind right he'd be so fired up and Tony give me the ball Tony Tony Romo I'm not a big Tony Romo fan at all don't get me wrong I'm not I'd rather hear Tony Romo in the booth than I did see him on the field but the one thing that Tony Romo would always do is walk over to Des Bryant and say Des you're the best blanket player on this field act like it get your blank together and let's go he would get in his grill and tell him to go. Bring it back to the Raiders. Rich Gannon would, get, it would not hesitate to get into a Hall of Famer's face. right? He played with Hall of Famers. He played with Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. He wouldn't hesitate to get into a Hall of Famer's face and say, get your blank together. Let's go. 
or get in Gruden's face and say, no, I don't agree with that. And I'm not saying go out there and fight. Like, I'm not, that's not what I'm encouraging. I'm not encouraging arguments. But I do want to see some of that vocal intensity. I want to see that guy that's willing to get aligned with the whole team. So as I agree that the coach has, shares a lot of responsibility, I think you need to have somebody on the field as well. This one's from Brad and Concord. I think to that logic it would be J.J., it just seems that the offensive line has flip-flopped and rotated players that there's no real solid piece other than Colton, but he hasn't shown that style. I'd like to see Colton uh, talking, around, uh, talking around the huddle like Lincoln Kennedy would be doing, but can that be learned? Haven't seen it since incognito, and that's Brad and Concord. Thanks so much for that, and I don't think it can be learned. I don't. I don't think because it comes off as fake, right? I mean, you can't all of a sudden be a rah-rah guy if you're not a rah-rah guy. I just think that you have to have that dude on your squad. I think every squad needs that guy that's going to bring that juice and that energy and maybe do a little bit more than, you know, than, than just trying to lead by example. So I don't think Colton could be that guy because he's just it's not really his style. But we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels, and we'll hear from Mitch in New Jersey as we kick off hour number two of the show, Shredder Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.